0: Welcome to the Breakfast with Janie podcast. Good morning, Maria. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Good morning, Jane. I'm fine and thank you for having me. Lovely. First of all, could you tell me what you do and why
1: you do it for the benefit of our listeners? Right. um, During the day, and 50% of my working time at the moment, I'm a university professor. I am professor of science and innovation dynamics and policy. Well, it sounds a mouthful, but actually it is about how science works. Uh, And actually I'm much more proud with the fact that um, slightly over 11 years ago now, I created The Money Principle, which is a personal finance website where I help people in money trouble develop the confidence, knowledge and skills to build sustainable wealth and never worry about money again. So
0: is that the inspiration behind the blog, that you wanted to be able to do that?
1: Um, Yes, yes, uh, but it is a bit more than that. Um, Basically, in the autumn of 2009, my husband and I I found that uh, we have managed to build about 100,000 pounds worth of consumer debt. This is debt on top of mortgage. And uh, basically what I did is I did what every normal person does, I panicked. And then I got angry and then I screamed at my husband, at the world, at uh, supreme beings of my own choice. And then at New Year's Eve, I made a New Year's resolution list. And number one item on this list was, I will turn our finances around. Number two was, I will finish the book, blah, blah, blah. And Number three was something else, which I don't remember. But the interesting (laughs) thing is that having made these resolutions and New Year's resolutions don't work usually. Right. Uh, and if they work, they have to be very specific. And you see, turn around our financial life and destiny is not really specific. Uh, we managed to pay off £100,000 worth of consumer debt in three years. Wow. And within five years, uh, we have flipped from £100,000 in debt to £100,000 in new investments. Wow. So I did turn it around. I say I did because my husband, uh, we always, we learned to work together. We got in debt because we didn't work together and to get mm-hmm. out of debt, we had to work together. But uh, uh, he, for mathematician and statistician, he's somebody who, if I ask him how much we have in the account today, he will say a few hundred pounds. And I can't convince him that few is not a number, right? <laughs> so basically that's why I am the driving force, kind of the pushing, behind this right so i started the money principle in 2011 as a way to record my learning about money my progress on the way to paying debt and kind of hold myself accountable now there was something else i already knew that uh Sorry, this is Susie, the border collie you may be hearing now. I was about to blame my dog. (laughs) She she likes making an appearance, right? So, But there was something more important than holding myself accountable behind starting the money principle. Mm -hmm. You see, um, it's much better to do challenging stuff with your own tribe or beehive or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to it. So starting the money principle for me was a way to do that. To build a community with, with, with whom, with which, the members of which I actually shared a lot of what has been happening. So um, that is the inspiration. And the purpose, of course, has always been to help me. And at one point it flipped about five years ago because the major shift was not from paying off debt to investing or anything like that, but it was. I changed the focus of the money principle from helping me to helping my readers. So that is when I started kind of building somewhat different content. Basically, I want to motivate, inspire and educate, let's face it.
0: Yeah, it's a brilliant website, it's so fascinating to look through. And what I did find really interesting, you've got useful money tools on there. So you've got clear categories of money
1: tools. Can you talk me through some of those? Yeah. Uh, So basically, um, I, I always had, I had to develop a slightly different viewpoint on money. And it stretched to money management. By the way, my money management notion of um, ERR, eliminate, replace, and reduce, got on several very major big websites and this kind of thing. Uh, uh, But basically, if you do that, the tools that are available, you find that they're very inadequate, right? So, we have been developing our own tools, but the two that I use all the time and I love using and I would recommend people to have a look at are the Money Principle Monthly Budget Planner and the Retirement Calculator. And they are important in my mind for different ways. The first one is that, you see, when, when in personal finance people talk about budgets, usually people think about uh, restricting their spending. And well, this is probably important, but, but I've always believed that it's much more important to keep a spending diary, not a budget. Because with the spending diary, what happens, record of spending of some description, uh, what happens is that you build information to make decisions mm-hmm. about what to spend on what. So you're not simply limiting your spending without knowing and putting it, imposing it on yourself as a straitjacket. But you can actually cut your spending in clever ways. So in other words, you can put your money where your mouth is. You can put continue- <laughs> paying for, for stuff you like. Now, that is what the monthly budget planner does. Mm-hmm. It provides you, and because it is a fairly kind of complex tool, it aggregates everything. So you can immediately say, see your earning earning for the month, your spending under the different categories. You can have it as detailed as you wish, down to individual items. So, for example, using it uh, several years back, I found that I buy an awful lot of, of treats, And it wasn't worth it, (laughs) right? So spending 40 pounds a week on sugary treats and another 20 on Slimming World just doesn't add up. So (laughs) if you don't keep a record, you don't know that. Exactly. Because your brain bypasses. It's mm-hmm. a bit like scoffing food in the kitchen. If you're standing up, it doesn't count. It's the same with spending, right? So that's why this tool is important. The, <clears throat> the retirement calculator is important in a very different way. Uh, actually, once I designed it and filled it in for us, I exhaled and thought we will be okay. okay. Because it really calculates, you can make different assumptions on your, on your own about how much money you need to spend. Also, there's a provision for thinking about care after mm-hmm. a certain age, which very few calculators include. And actually, when you do it and play the scenarios during the calculator, you realize that you're better off than you think you are. Right? Yes, true. The so that's why it's important. What would you say to people that
0: find budgeting, saving, all that kind of look into the future and looking at retirement planning? If they say to you, I just can't do that. It's too, I can't get into it. It's too. It's boring. I've got time for it. You know, and what would you say to people to try and encourage them to do so?
1: Right. This Changing will mindsets. <laughs> will sound kind of very Maria Nediva-like statement, you know, sometimes I make this kind of quite extreme things. Basically, I would say, well, you know, give a toss about your life if you do that. Because budgeting and thinking about your money in the future is not about money, it's about your life. Mm -hmm. Because the only purpose of money is to nourish your life, right? And if you don't think about that, your life will wilt away. It's as simple as, as that.
0: So move it away from thinking about it as finance, as budgeted, and it and think about it as, as how you are going to enjoy the best of life.
1: Yeah. Think about your life. And that is about everything. So, um, I think Jane, the two of us were discussing recently that, um, actually truly wealthy people people who have built incredible wealth never thought about making money they didn't do things to make money Mm -hmm. they did things to contribute insane value to people's Mm -hmm. lives right so love him or hate him jeff bezos transformed the way in which we shop yeah right he didn't Build it. Well, he probably thought, "Oh, wouldn't it be nice to be able to move out of my mother's garage?" For <laughs> example. But he didn't do it so that he can uh, do all this um, kind of uh, stuff, right? So uh, when you think about it, when you do what you truly believe is worth it for your life and other people's lives, then come. Money yeah. is a byproduct; it always is.
0: Yeah, excellent. And so you have always wanted to write a book. And the book that you've written is how to deal with debt and how to get out of debt. So never bet on red. Can you tell me more about the origins of that? Because obviously it's working from the principles of the money principle and in a different format.
1: Right. When I was paying off debt, I remember sitting at the beginning and thinking, heck, I don't know where to start. What do I look for? How Hmm. how do I? that and you see it looks like a Sisyphus task you, and you can drop the stone at least Sisyphus managed to push the stone over the mountain all the time you you can drop the stone and it rolls over you you lose mm-hmm. everything right at the same time when I looked at what people write about debt be it blog posts or books or something it was either mantra like oh you earn you spend less than you make mm-hmm. well duh. Right. Or it was very technical. It was about the budgeting side to it, which actually, I'm sorry, as a woman, it doesn't rock my boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that there's this research showing that um, women deal with their money because there's something more than the money. We, mm-hmm. we like to have a big dream. So, for example, we can make and save a lot of money when there's a big dream behind it. Men do that because they like the game, they invest because they liked the game well yeah so anyway but that is kind of a bit like with uh, the dead books they were either mantra-like or incredibly technical and nothing can mm. win so i'm thinking doesn't help me really do anything right so i had to develop my own system my own strategy i had to to realize things i'll tell you about later but the interesting thing is when i looked around publishers actually don't want to publish books that are about debt and Mm -hmm. when i thought about it i remembered what my niece who is a very clever woman told me she said but but uh auntie uh, trying to sell a book on debt is like trying to to sell a manual on how to give up drinking to an alcoholic (laughs) Right? That's why publishers, mm-hmm. because they think it won't sell. So I'm thinking, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write a book about debt that is very different from what is on the market. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to self-publish it. Mm-hmm. Because at the moment, actually, the difference is not between published, self-published. It is between professionally and unprofessionally published. Yeah. So I decided I will write a really good book. So I worked on it for years. Mm-hmm. And it took lockdown last year for me to click to see how Mm -hmm. the whole thing clicks. So I did write it, but I write it because I wanted to write a book that will help people pay off debt and live debt free. Because a lot of us do the yo-yo debt thing. So we restrict ourselves, we pay it off and then we build it up. This book is not like that. It is about seeing debt as a first step on the way to building sustainable wealth. Yeah.
0: So it's a stage in a process and it's a
1: rolling process. Yes,
0: You don't just complete it and that's it.
1: Uh, Absolutely. And that is exactly what we did. So uh, we paid off our debt in the first week of February 2013 and have lived debt free apart from the mortgage, which is a very cheap borrowing, right? Mm -hmm. Since then. Fantastic.
0: And what kind of strategies do you include in your book that you think are most useful to people?
1: I think that the main difference is that a lot of books on debt and even personal finance, they don't pay much attention to mentality and how uh, we think about it. The whole complex of feelings, beliefs, um, values, this kind of stuff. And um, it is very sad because actually our feelings, beliefs and values is what colors our actions and our actions shape our destiny. So if we don't pay attention to that, we don't. So what I included in the book is a section on the different kinds of negative feelings around money, debt, beliefs, um, ideology. So for example, if you have been raised as a consumer consumer in consumerist societies, as most of us have done, uh, your chances of living that free are slim to none. because Uh you want to consume it's a bit like addiction to food Mm -hmm. or addiction to alcohol as my niece pointed out um uh, so that is the main difference that i kind of tell people and of course i teach people stuff that goes far beyond money in this book so a lot of people so let me ask you something when you think about why you are in debt Mm -hmm. you are what would you say I spend too much on shopping, or I, I, yeah, I can't stop
0: shopping. I don't know where my money's going. I don't know what I'm spending every month. You don't know what's going in and out of your account.
1: Right. Her. All good, mm-hmm. all reasons to be in debt. But this is not the cause to be in debt. Mm-hmm. Because if you were making not 50,000 per year, let's say, or 20,000 or however much people make, but you're making a million per year, your shopping spree wouldn't... Thank you. So basically, people have to learn to distinguish between the causes and the reasons for that. We're trained to think about reasons to be in debt, but we can't solve our debt problem if we focus on the reasons. We have to go to the causes. So people do you know that probably um, up to 70 percent of people who are in debt are in debt because they don't earn enough, not because they spend too much. Yes, of people of households in the UK have income, median income that is below the poverty threshold. Mm -hmm. They're working families, right? So if you don't earn enough, yes, you need to maintain some sort of lifestyle, even not lavish one, right? So thinking about the causes helps you think of how to solve it at much deeper level. Then going, oh, I'm eating beans on toast for the rest of the month. Yeah. This doesn't help. This doesn't solve it long term. And you do talk about, don't you, that when, when we think about budgeting and we think, okay, we have to cut
0: out all the things that we don't need and we don't want and, you know, that are just really unnecessary and they're just nice to have. But it is nice to be able to build actually something that you do enjoy within your kind of budget, in inverted commas, because uh, otherwise you might end up doing this yo-yo of pay off all the debt then splurge, pay off all the debt again. I thought it was quite an interesting aspect of the book.
1: Absolutely. And very few personal finance people tell you that. Mm. Uh, and this is about a mythology that has developed around debt, which is um, the glorification of sacrifice. Mm. We generally live in a sacrificial culture. So God demands sacrifices in the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, particularly the Old Testament You know, a lot of people killed their sons. In Greek mythology, Agamemnon Mm -hmm. kills his daughter to to get wind, to get to Cartagena to to fight, right? So sacrifice is deeply ingrained in us. So it was very funny, but when um, John and I, my husband and I paid off our debt and it broke on the internet and this kind of thing, a lot of people commented, oh, but they didn't sacrifice anything. Well, I'm sorry, if I can achieve something like that without suffering, of course I will do, right? So that is the thing. That's why it's important to keep human. You treat yourself. You can have anything, but not everything is the principle of that thing. The, the whole money thing is you can have anything, but not everything.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So it doesn't need to be a case of, it's ch- in fact, it, it's changing of mindsets, going back to what you said earlier, and our actual view of debt and how to deal with debt and looking at the causes and actually approaching it in a completely different way as to how you would imagine.
1: Yes. Uh, one thing that your listeners may be interested to know is that what helped me and thus pay off so much debt is I became an essentialist. So I stopped being a consumer. I became an essentialist. So at the moment, I spend money on stuff that brings me immense pleasure or has incredible utilitarian value Mm -hmm. to me and mine. Otherwise, I just don't, right? So this means, for example, that if I were uh, to really love designer clothes, I will budget for some of that, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't buy crap. Because a lot of people don't realize that the crap they buy in Primark adds Mm -hmm. up to several very nice designer items. Yes. Right? So becoming an essentialist, not a consumer, changing your ideology, your whole mentality. It's hard at first, but then...
0: It's doable. And a lot of people don't realize that they are in debt because they don't actually maybe realize that the X, Y, and Z that they spend on this or the the maybe the direct debits that are going out that shouldn't be, and you know, there's a whole range of things, aren't there? So, you know, what are the warning signs that people need to look for? Are there anything specifically that you think, ah, yeah, actually, that you need to watch out for that because if you can answer yes to that question, then yeah, you need to look at whether you are in debt or not.
1: Um, I would say that the biggest warning sign is that you haven't looked at a bank statement for a couple of months. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: If you haven't, I would bet, I would bet my beautiful diamond ring that I keep in a safe, (laughs) that you are in debt. Because that is how it happens. People Mm -hmm. who know what's happening to their money Mm-hmm. usually have fairly good grasp, but most of us don't. And I have to say that probably I would uh, I would pose that the problem is worse with women because mm-hmm. we women fear money a lot. And when you fear money, you kind of bury your head. So when we found out how much debt we had, I hadn't looked at the bank statement for years. Right. So years. The trigger for oh, you, you don't know right you have to know so so you have to know what's in your accounts on all your cards and -hmm. this kind of thing and you have to minimize the i call it god knows what line in your budget Mm. so if your god knows what i spent on line budget line is very large you are not you're not drank well, you will be in debt because you spent with without minding it. Mindfulness in spending, developing this mindfulness thing is very, very important to be able to control. So, but but the biggest sign is not looking at your statements.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm I'm interested there. You mentioned about developing mindfulness.
0: And actually, when I was reading the book, I found that. You know, it, it obviously it's, it's a way to, to help people to recognise debt and that they're in debt and help them with strategies. But it, I felt almost it was like a, a parody of life as well. The way that we need sometimes we need, it's the way we view things that is sometimes the main problem. And if we can change our men's mindset, if we can use mindfulness to be able to navigate our way through a lot of situations,
1: then that is a good strategy. Um, across the board so i found it quite a useful guide to life uh, jane you realize that quite a few people actually ask me why did i call the book never bet on red mm-hmm. because it, it kind of smacks of gambling doesn't it yes uh, but i did that because i wanted to send very strong message that uh, your life your money situation is very largely a matter of choice Yes, and I know a lot of people will start jumping up and down going, no, 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 I'm poor and always will be. Now, this kind of thinking is a matter of choice. Mm-hmm. You don't have to stay like that. Yeah. Right. Um, with very few exceptions. And this causes things. So, for example, I'm poor. I, I work minimum wage. I can't pay off my debt. And if you think about the causes, why do you work minimum wage? hmm. Oh, I don't have the skills to have another job. Go get them. <laughs> right? You can work. Yeah. Oh, I need education. I need to go to college. Well, very likely not in the first instance. There are a lot of free courses around. So you mm-hmm. build yourself up sufficiently. So that is the kind of thinking. But I have um, a lot of that. I was thinking, talking to a lady with whom I do Zumba the other evening. And I was telling her that I wrote this book. hmm and stuff. And uh, she said, oh, I wish I could pay my debt off, but it's not possible. And it's called mentality, right? Changing your mentality. If you think it's not possible. Yep. it's Not possible. It won't be possible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's more important now in a post-pandemic world, isn't it, to talk about debt. People that may never have been in debt before or thought that they would be. This could be something that they're now facing.
1: Quite, uh, but I, I, I'm i not sure, I would, lo- I would love to be able to see, the, the academic and researchers calling me, wants to see where this is leading, because there are, yes, a lot of people uh, lost their jobs. A lot of people were furloughed and the furlough scheme is ending. Yes. A lot of people will lose their jobs. Uh, but the interesting thing is, um, I actually think the pandemic just accelerated that. Things mm-hmm. were going really bad, especially anything that can be automated will be automated very soon, mm-hmm. right? So Elon Musk has a factory that employs five people; the rest is robots. Yeah, that's why he was showing this robot a couple of weeks ago, right? Um, and it's kind of very interesting because this will this will change not how many jobs there are, but the nature of jobs again. We're living through another economic revolution at the moment. So uh, it will be very hard in the first instance. And while we're adjusting to that, uh, there will be a lot of people who get into a lot of debt and they will have debt crisis. Um, We're already hearing on the news about a lot of, especially men who kill themselves. Yeah. It's very interesting because we women tend to be much more resilient, it seems. But debt is a very dangerous thing because it affects your mental health tremendously. Or the fear of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. The the whole thing, but but it kind of gets you into a situation where you're caught in this world where there's no way out. Right. And it's it's kind of very, very troubled world and the troubling thing is that the the levels of uh, indebtedness are rising so um recent polls show that something like 73 percent of the people Mm -hmm. in this study reported they have debt about which they worry yeah yeah definitely so it's kind of a very very dangerous thing and it's um talking about that yes uh, people will go but how am I going to pay debt if if I lost my job and that's why my book is different as well because you you notice the section on how to make money there is this myth that making money is very hard well it isn't if you think about it the right way and Mm -hmm. have the guts to get off your booty and do something about it
0: yeah exactly exactly what key messages would you like to convey
1: as to how to deal with debt. Well, I think I've written some here. Perfect. Now, the key, key message is not to go and listen to people who tell you what to do and how to act about debt, money, investing, generally life. I would always go with somebody who tells me how to change myself so I can make up my mind. Mm -hmm. I act according to my true self, not anybody else. Mm -hmm. So to pay off your debt, you don't have to change simply your actions. You have to transform who you are. That is why this first bit about the feelings and beliefs and values and stuff is so important to go through and by the way in the book i've I've put a lot of exercises of how to do that some of them sound very wacky but look i still have my wristband Mm, i saw that that. yeah kind of it is a psychotherapy approach that is used and the next message i would like to convey is you have this you just have to decide to pay off your debt and you have this and if you don't have it let people like Jane and me know, we'll always help you. I, if you write to me through my site, I will support you and I won't charge you a penny. Oh, I will ask you to pay me as much as you think it's worth. Uh, we'll see about that. But I'm always here and I've made it my mission to help as many people as I could reach. And I hope this is many to deal with their money troubles. Because I know how horrible it is.
0: Thank you so much. So interesting to chat to you. And I think I remember saying to you that, you know, ever since uh, the point of meeting for us, I've always found you uh, inspirational in in terms of your knowledge uh, and the information that you impart and the help and support that you actually provide through the money principle. it's just... It's, it's 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 it is incredible um so if I had to choose someone to have breakfast with then I would have breakfast with you I mean obviously it's breakfast with Janie podcast I would say I would like to have breakfast with Maria she's top of the list there above the Obamas above everyone else and if you could have breakfast with anyone in the world I mean alive or dead I suppose who would you choose to have breakfast with as your inspiration
1: and why Now I'll I'll probably surprise you. I thought long about this because that is such a good question, right? And I zeroed it on Kurt Vonnegut. I don't know whether you've read any Kurt Vonnegut, but I I love his writing. And he's such an interesting character. Mm -hmm. And I had the feeling that I would love to have breakfast with him and chat to him because this is the guy who um, kind of, well, whether he agrees with me or I agree with him, but we both agree that it's completely pointless, for example, to die and go to heaven because all interesting people very likely go to hell, right? So why would I want to go to heaven when I can have interesting conversations in hell? This is the guy who said that he will sue Paul Moles cigarettes company because they've been promising him that he will die from smoking since he was 11 and he hasn't smoked anything that Paul Moles without filter since the age of 11 and he's still alive and who wants to be alive in a time when the two most three most famous people in the states were called Dick Bush and Colon, right (laughs) And I was thinking several years back that I don't want to be alive when the three world leaders, most powerful world leaders, are called Trump, Johnson and Putin. But anyway, so so that is Kurt Vonnegut. Absolutely, certainly.
0: Well, from one character to another, uh, thank you so much um, for joining me. And it's an absolute pleasure. I mean, I love reading um, what you write as well. So thank you for joining me on Breakfast with Janie.
1: Thank you, Jane, and all the best. Are you able to tell people where to find you just as a final comment? Uh, so yes, you it? can always find me on The Money Principle, which is www.themoneyprinciple.co.uk. Soon we're moving to .com, but it's not moved yet. I think it's referred, but doesn't matter. And, of course, I have Facebook page, Twitter page. And, of course, you can find David Bet on Red on Amazon